We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Get the Discharge podcast. Uh, my name is Steven. I am the host, and uh, joining me as always is my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Doing very well. Can't wait to talk about the Edge Rusher class. It's a good class. It's a great class, you could even say. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, this is uh, definitely a group that I had, uh, you know, penciled in for for an early episode, and uh, you know, the grades panned out. I think you know this is a great a great draft to really need a, a pass rusher. As uh, as the Chargers do, we'll talk in, about all of that, I'm sure, uh, throughout the rest of the show. And uh, probably the biggest question mark of any prospect I've probably graded in, in, over the last four years <laughs> is certain prospects. So I'm um, excited to dive in there. Um, first and foremost, we do have some news to get into today. Um, obviously, the Chargers, uh, you know, essentially mutually parting ways with uh, Ronaldo Hill as defensive coordinator. Um, initially the reporting was that they were simply going to, uh, promote Derek Ansley into the defensive coordinator spot and also promote, promote Tommy Donatell into, uh, the secondary coach passing game coordinator role that Ansley currently holds for the Chargers. So that not, has not officially happened. Uh, it came out today that the Chargers have interviewed, um, Shoot, I'm forgetting his first name. Uh, is it Darren Covington, the defensive line coach from the Patriots? Um, and then Luke Delk, the defensive coordinator from the University of Houston. So a uh, little premature, potentially, on the reporting of, of Derek Ansley. But 
Uh, Tyler, what do you make of this whole thing, uh, you know, and uh, Ronaldo Hill moving to Miami to take a, a demotion, essentially? Yeah, so all the window dressing from Eddie and Shafter tweet can't hide the fact that this was a firing. And we knew that as is. Then it was confirmed as much. This was just a very polite way of saying that they were fired. And it's just like the classic movies and directors. Oh, there was a creative differences yeah. issue or a scheduling issue. Like, no you're kind of fired off the project. So yeah, no Ronaldo Hill. Um, people ask about Derek Ansley versus Ronaldo Hill. When they hired Ronaldo Hill, I thought, hey, that's great. You know, he's going to work with the secondary. He's had experience in the secondary. He's worked with Justin Simmons in Denver. You know, Denver's got a good secondary. They've had a good secondary for a while and certainly while he was there. So if you had asked me two years ago, I'd say, yeah, Hill was a good hire. And I guess it didn't pan out. Um, I would say overall, it does sound like Derek Ansley has been more of the guy, or at least the most important guy in that defensive. Well, I shouldn't say that because I feel like Jay Rogers is as well. But um, sure. you know, Derek Ansley is a big part of what they do in the secondary, um, whether that's the resurgence of some players, the ascension of some players, the sustained play of others. Maybe we won't talk about Nasir Adderley, but even you could use that against Derek Ansley. I would say that Nasir Adderley's best season has come under Derek Ansley. It just went downhill this past season. So, sure. Um, I, I do think that that is what ends up happening that Ansley is the defensive coordinator and Donatel is promoted. I don't know where the second wave is coming from, but I'm, I'm inclined to believe that Ansley is a defensive coordinator and great. Good for him. You know, I've heard nothing but good things about him. You heard some specific things about him um, that I would have for you to share. So, yeah, I, I'm. I'm happy for this on the surface. I just don't know. Like now that we're that, that Staley has fired all three defensive, or excuse me, all three of his different coordinators. Yeah, you you can really tell that this is like the season, and we knew that anyway. Like, obviously, if Staley did not make the playoffs, all the same reasons as last year, or completely different reasons, who knows? But if they don't make the playoffs, and if they don't, you know, do anything meaningful in the postseason, and we're thinking AFC Championship or bust, this is it. You know, there's nobody else to fire anymore. It would come down to a full, clean slate, a whole new thing, and build around Herbert a different way. Yeah, so uh, first, uh, a correction on my part. Um, Patriots defensive line coach Demarcus Cummington and then University of Houston defensive coordinator Doug Belk. So um, Belk is an interesting candidate to me. You know, he he came up essentially under Kirby Smart and Nick Saban at Alabama. Him and Derek Ansley actually were on the same staff at Alabama in 2016. Um, so definitely some connections there, you know, that's Brandon Staley loves picking from that, though, that kind of system, obviously, you know, from a player standpoint and also from a coaching standpoint. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this one pans out, but it does feel like obviously Tom Pelissar did kind of maybe jump the gun a little bit with, with the Ansley tweet. Um, like you, I do expect that ultimately to, to be the decision. Maybe there's some kind of backpedaling with Tommy Donatel. Maybe he kind of stays in his role and maybe you hire Doug Pelk to be uh, the secondary coach to replace Derek Ansley. Um, so we'll see ultimately what happens there. But, um, you know, I in a vacuum, I really like this move. I think, you know, from an outside looking in perspective, I think you can look at, you know, uh, Derek Ansley's coaching resume as somebody who who is more ready to be, you know, a defensive coordinator than what Ronaldo Hill has been. Um, and, you know, like we talked about from a Doug Nussmeyer standpoint, it's possible for these coaches to be really solid position coaches and kind of be overwhelmed by the mm -hmm. defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator kind of role. 
And I think that's also what's happened here with Ronaldo Hill. So I think if the Chargers had just hired him as a secondary coach, as a safety coach, whatever, you know, I think that would have been a much better spot for him. But, uh, you know, the people that I talked to after the 2021 season and during last season all told me that Derek Gansley was kind of the, the, the biggest voice on the defensive coaching staff outside of Brandon Staley, that he was kind of the leader. He was the alpha male and that Ronaldo Hill was, you know, he knows his stuff. He knows how to break things down. I mean, he played in the NFL. Like he's a good position coach, but everything that I heard was that Derek Gansley was like the glue of the defensive coaching staff. And so, you know, promoting him, I, I am totally behind. I think he is a coach on the rise. Um, right after the 2021 season, he was listed in like the future head coach tree that the articles that everybody writes, you know, NFL Network, The Athletic. Um, he, he is considered a, a rising star. And, um, you know, Mario Cristobal wanted to hire him away after 2021 to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Miami. Like he's had opportunities to leave the Chargers to go back to college and be a defensive coordinator and obviously decided to stay in Los Angeles. And I think that is, this is, you know, kind of the reason why. So um, I'm a big fan of Derek Ansley. I think everybody should be excited about this move. Unfortunately, Ronaldo Hill, you know, it, it just didn't work out there. And like you said, you know, this, this is a firing. It's just that Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill are really close. They didn't maybe want to frame it that way um, that they're necessarily firing him. Of course, there could be some, some peddling from Ronaldo's side of things as well, but um you know, losing three coordinators, I think, is it's an interesting trend from Brandon Staley. One of them already has been a major success in firing Darius Swinton and hiring Ryan Ficken. I, I would argue that, you know, getting rid of Joe Lombardi to hire Kellen Moore is another great move. And and this one is, too. So, you know, there's there's a lot of Brandon Staley takes to be had within this kind of structure and these moves. But I think the three moves individually in a vacuum are each solid decisions by Brandon Staley. Yeah, 100%. I I get it. It's process over results. Maybe it doesn't work out, but I totally get why you'd make these particular moves. I if you, you know, the Chargers part of what they're criticized for under the Telesco era is that sunk cost fallacy and continuing to invest and hold on and, and just hope this works out and you're 3 and you're 4, you could argue they're doing that with someone like a Kenneth Murray right now, but we'll see. But like last year with Jerry Tillery, they could have forced that issue and said they didn't. They were proactive after the draft to get someone. They drafted someone. They signed other guys, and they moved on. And I think with Brandon Staley, that is something that they are, I think, better at than, than years previous, especially maybe during the yeah. Lynn era where, you know, guys, it was loyalty to a fault. I think you're seeing kind of two different sides of that. Whether it works or not, I don't know. But I, I at least can appreciate whether it works or not that they can, that Brandon Staley can acknowledge when things it's just not working, and so we need to make some sort of change, whether that's coordinators, whether that's benching this year idly, whether that's cutting Jerry Tillery. You know, I, I can at least respect that he's able to go out and make those changes and, frankly, have the balls to go do that, you know, because you could <laughs> yeah. just, like, I, I don't want to do it. I don't I just, like, I brought in Ronaldo Hill. That means that, like, I did something wrong, and I, you know, hired the wrong guy. But, no, he's, like, again, I think he kind of had to make some of these moves regardless because that's part of the job, and, you know, when you lose like you do in the playoffs, somebody has to go. Um, but still, I can appreciate what Brandon Staley is trying to do here. Whether it pays enough uh, off or not, I don't know. I will say, Derek Ansley, it's a, such a minor thing. But in the first preseason game this past year against the Rams, they were struggling significantly against, um, you know, getting too many defensive pass interference issues. 
um, holding, tackling, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so when I went to training camp the next day, all they were working on was turning your head around and tackling, which, I mean, sure, it's practice. You're supposed to do those things. I get it. But it's just a little thing like that that makes me feel confident about something like this, that there was a clear significant issue with tackling and turning your head around. So you work with Dean Leonard, you work with Jaw Taylor, you work with some of yeah. these guys, and you improve in that regard. And now you see during the season, granted, they didn't play a whole lot of defense, but guys like Dean Leonard, guys like Jaw Taylor, guys like Raheem Lane were able to contribute significantly on special teams as defensive backs. Um, so I'll, I'll give some credit to Ansley for that. Yeah, and I think something else that you can really point to is, uh, you know, you mentioned this here, Adderley, and, and, you know, him being the starting free safety in 2021 and playing well, in my opinion, I thought he was a pretty solid player last year or two years ago at this point. And then pivoting towards the end of 2022 to Alohi Gilman as free safety, like that's a very drastic change in terms of like styles, in terms of ability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were able to do that seamlessly. A lot, obviously, a lot of that is, is due to Alohi Gilman, you know, being up for the task. But, you know, devising these plans to the point where Lohi Gilman can go out and cover Tyreek Hill on a wheel route and like do it well yeah. and and play and be like a crucial piece down the stretch. Uh, I think that's also something that Derek Ansley deserves credit for. So I am curious ultimately what this means from like a schematic standpoint, because, you know, there's there's some similarities between like the Alabama Kirby Smart Nick Samuel defense and like what uh, Vic Vangio and that tree has kind of done. But at the same time, like you look at like from a position standpoint, right? Like we've been talking a lot about like Jaw Taylor being in the slot or like Asante Samuel Jr. Mm -hmm. being in the slot. Like the Alabama defense has always been like built around like these bigger like slot players, you know, like Mark Webb. Like that's what we thought that he was going to be coming in and, and doing it as that six defensive back and playing in the slot. And then, you know, you look at like Brian Branch in this year's draft. So like, from a personnel standpoint, I'm curious what this means for the smaller players, <laughs> particularly like Asante Samuel Jr. Just kind of adds another layer there. But um, the Brandon Staley stuff, I think it, it's again, like I think he like he's in a tough spot because he does hire these people. And obviously, like you wish that, you know, the that you don't have to fire coordinators. Like obviously you, you, you build the staff with the hopes that everybody kind of works out. And if they leave that. You know, it's because they're getting promoted, not because they're getting demoted or fired. But, um, you know, I think Anthony Lynn is probably still the Chargers head coach if he had this kind of approach mm -hmm. and, you know, willingness to fire his coordinators uh, before it got too late. So there's some give and take here for sure. I think obviously you, you criticize him for not being able to build a staff up properly the first time. Sure. But also like he does deserve credit for being able to go out, make smarter moves, smarter hirings the second time around. Yeah, I would agree. Do you think what do you think they're doing with the other two uh, interviews then? If we think Ansley's the defensive coordinator, yeah. So some people obviously pointed out like what Daniel Popper said to us at, to me and Alex, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago that you know Telesco does like to bring in candidates who like the Chargers are playing, and obviously the Chargers do play the Patriots this year. Although I don't really know like what kind of intel you're going to get about the Patriots at this point that everybody doesn't <laughs> already know. Um, you know, but the, the defensive coordinator from Houston, I think is really interesting to me because he's got a very similar background to Derek Ansley. Um, he's come up in these, in this coaching tree that Brandon Staley loves to, to pick and choose from. So he's somebody that I think is definitely worth keeping an eye on. I'd be pretty surprised. Like I do expect Ansley to be the defensive coordinator. Um, 
but you know the Houston defensive coordinator I think is is something worth keeping an eye on in terms of like maybe another role on the staff. Yeah, it was um, uh, Gerard Johnson who was interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. He didn't get that job, and he didn't get that same job elsewhere. But he had, he was obviously fine with taking a quote unquote demotion or a lower on the totem pole opportunity as the oh. quarterback quarterbacks coach. Yeah, he's the quarterbacks coach in Houston. Yeah, that's right. So Solomon in the chat, uh, he's a big Florida Gators fan and said that Doug Belk was a finalist for both the Ohio State and Florida D.C. jobs last year. Um, So if you look at, like I tweeted his uh, job history, and ever since he got to the University of Houston, he's gotten a promotion like every single year. Like he's, it was like Mm. safeties and then it was like secondary coach and then it was like co-defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator slash safeties and then it was like defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator slash associate head coach. Like he's worked his way up like in a hurry at the University yeah. of Houston. So and I think he's done some really good things. I mean, you look at the kind of players that they've produced from an NFL talent standpoint. I mean, like Peyton Turner and Logan Hall and um mm-hmm. which Jones was it that we that was also like the punt returner for the Patriots this year. Oh, Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones. You know, that 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 kind of stuff at Houston like wasn't really happening before him. Mm-hmm. So um I think I do think he is a really interesting candidate, coaching candidate. And it wouldn't surprise me if, like, like I said, Tommy Dontel just kind of stay doing what you're doing, and then Doug Belk becomes secondary coach and takes over Derek Hansley's spot. Hmm, yeah, I'd love it. Uh, so, big uh, shout out real quick to uh, Taylor for the super sticker. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate it's all the you second guys best way to spell that name. Good job. <laughs> okay, Tyler. Um, Taylor, yeah. It. All right, so uh, we're going to dive into the Chargers pass rushers uh, like we did for the tight ends, just kind of doing a a review Mm. really quickly, Uh, maybe kind of discuss what exactly the Chargers might be needing at this point. So um, obviously everybody kind of, there's been a lot of Joey Bosa dialogue on social media. A lot of it I think is is (laughs) kind of ridiculous at this point. Um, You know, the Chargers training for Klumac last year, the idea obviously is that you have these two elite pass rushers um, you know, Matt can be a true like sidekick for, uh, you know, for Joey Bosa, or at the very least, an e- potentially even an equal to Joey Bosa. Um, Joey only plays the two full games healthy, and then obviously Terrace is groin. So we really only got to see the Cleo Mac Joey Bosa pairing for the two full games at the start of the season, and it was freaking awesome, man! Like the the two the two pass rush performances against the Raiders and the Chiefs was uh, was amazing. I'm curious, I guess. What is the expectation heading into this offseason around those two in particular as Joey's coming off of this year's injury? Max another year older, mm-hmm. two very expensive players at this point as well. Where are you at with like the excitement level, I guess, around this pairing? <sighs> the excitement level. It's tough when you've seen what that pairing could look like, but then also be realistic with what actually did happen last season overall and where things are going i think that this is the last year that we see joey bosa with the chargers i I do think that they have to find that succession plan whether it is cutting him or trading him eventually or whatever i think they have to move on from if it's not joey bosa then it's khalil mack they can't have both of those contracts on the books next year and there's an out for well you could do it this year too with um like khalil mack but there's an out for both of those guys next season where you can save a ton of money. And I'm not saying that that's the way you should approach roster building. Like Telesco said, I'd rather have less cap and good players. But sometimes when you can save $50 million, $60 million from cutting two guys or moving on or whatever, 
Not that I think they move on from both, but when you have opportunities like that, sometimes you might have to consider it when that quarterback contract starts kicking in because at some point, like Herbert is no longer on this cheap contract. You know, he's projected to get that extension this offseason, and at some point, it's going to get too expensive. So I, I do think this is the year that they find the edge rusher that takes over for one of those guys. And I think if it's if it's nobody, like if, if Staley is the coach next year, then I think that Mac would stay. I think if he's gone, then I think you kind of have like an entire blow up fire sale thing potentially mm-hmm. happening here. Unless one of those guys gets an extension or some sort of another restructure or something that makes him uncuttable or something more favorable next season. I think that they are going to go edge rush at the first two rounds, and I think they have to. And frankly, it's a smart thing. Even if I believe that those two edge rushers together are the greatest tandem in football today, like those two are going to be the best in the NFL if they're healthy, even if I believe that. And I think I could make an easy case for that. You can't believe that's going to happen. I was going through, I was just looking at the difference between, you know, going for a wide receiver, going for an edge rusher. The edge three and the edge four, the last three seasons combined, has played almost 2,400 snaps mm-hmm. because of various reasons. Someone gets hurt um, because they needed them, because of rotation, whatever. 2,400 snaps. And even the wide receiver three and four combined, only, t- I mean, not only, but they're at 2,700 snaps. And you almost always have a wide receiver three on the field. You have them a yeah. lot more than an edge three. So, you know, looking at the two snap counts, they've almost needed an edge three and four as much as a wide receiver three or four. And you play wide receiver three typically a lot more. So I know people are worried about it being kind of a waste to take an edge rusher in round one or round two when they're not the quote unquote starter. But they play a lot of snaps in the last three seasons. I mean, last year, the edge three and four played a thousand snaps. And I'm hoping that's not the case. Like, I technically don't ever want to see them on the field for this year. But they need to invest in that position. So I think one of these guys is gone next year. I think they're going to have a great season. I think one of them is gone next year. And I think they have to find someone who runs one or two this year. Yeah, that long-term outlook is is kind of adds more frustration to the fact that they didn't add a pass rusher last year, you know, at this point. Yeah. Like, how much better would we all feel at this point if the Chargers had, you know, been able to kind of have a rookie flashing some things, Chris Rump flashing some things, obviously Calvin Oy. And, and then Kilil Mack, I think you feel a lot better about that situation versus like Derek Tuska and like not being able to play a fourth edge rusher at all. Um, so it that long term outlook is is frustrating because I think you look at this pairing individually and like you could talk about you know the, the best pass rushing duo in the league and I think a lot of people who listen to this show were making that argument at this time last year that uh, or not this time last year you know I guess the trade didn't technically happen until mid March but. Uh, you know, spent most of the summer arguing that this was going to be the best pass rush tandem in the league. And obviously that didn't come to fruition. But as long as these two players are on the field, I do expect them to play incredibly well. And, and like I said, there's been a lot of dialogue around Joey Bosa that I disagree with very strongly um, because Joey Bosa, to me, from a film perspective, from a numbers perspective, is still absolutely a top six, seven edge rusher in the league. Um, obviously, he hasn't been able to stay healthy this this pass injury was was a freak accident, but he played every game except for one because of COVID in 2021. And then in 2020, he had a bunch of different other injuries, played every game in 2019. 2018, had a bunch of injuries. 2017, played in every game. So it's kind of like this alternating thing with Joey. So I guess oh, the perfect. expectation should be that next year he <laughs> plays most of the games, if not all of them. Nice. Um, but, you know, this this tandem, I think it it it's going to work if they're on the field. But 
the fact that they have this tandem doesn't mean you you stop investing in the pass rush. Like, you know, I look mm-hmm. at these teams who have made these strong postseason runs. Like, I, I, I we talked about this on the show. The Eagles traded for Robert Quinn, and he literally <laughs> did not play for them. Like, he played yeah. like a, a game and a half. He didn't even play in the Super Bowl. I think he played like five snaps. And same thing with like the 49ers. They drafted Drake Jackson in the second round. And he was a healthy scratch for the half of the back half of the season because they had so many other guys. Mm-hmm. Like I think in today's NFL, you need you need three high quality pass rushers with the emphasis of the passing game and the way that that's going, especially when you're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and the Sean Payton offense and maybe Aaron Rodgers in Las Vegas. Like you need high quality pass rushers. And mm-hmm. if you head into this next season, you know, with Joey and Cleo and then Chris Rumpf again as edge three, and maybe you take a six round rookie instead of a first or a second round rookie, you're going to have the same problems that you did last year. You're not going to have a very good pass rush because those guys are going to get gassed. If any of them miss time, then you're, you're back at it with Chris Rumpf being a, a very important mm-hmm. player for your team. So I, I agree. I, I definitely want to push back about this idea that drafting a pass rusher in the first two rounds is a mistake because he's not a starter. Well, yeah, like from a snaps breakdown perspective, an edge three is a starter. And, you know, this is, this is a premium position. This is arguably the second yeah. most important position in the, in NFL football with the way that everything is going right now. So, um, you know, if you have a, a quality third edge rusher, you're able to kick Joey Bosa inside. You can kick Cleo Mack inside Mm-hmm. And you can really create some havoc. I think that's all that's what defense is about is creating mismatches, creating havoc. And if you just have two pass rushers, you're not able to do that at all. No, not at all. I was even looking, I was having had fun with this one. So 65% of the edge rushers and Brennan Thorne's, you know, true sack rate of the top 43, they were taken in the first two rounds. If you look at the last four or five years, of all pro edge players granted all pros of voting thing but still um only four of the 22 uh were not first and second round picks mm. and none of the ones that were first team all pro were second round or worse they were all first round picks so again that doesn't mean that you can only find these guys in the first and second round but you are far more likely to find them early on and i believe the likelihood i'm trying to remember this from pff moves article yeah, but the likelihood of finding a starter at edge rusher in the second round, there's a 20% difference between taking one in the first versus finding one in the second, and then it continues significantly from there. It's much easier. I think there's like an eight to 10% difference between the first and second round um, to find a wide receiver in the second or third round um, and to be a starter or even a high end starter than in his edge rusher. So I just like, I, I'm, I get wide receiver in the first round. I really, really do. And I'd be all for it when we do a mock draft. That might be who I, you know, I might take Jalen Hyatt until now until I die. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I think that people should be on this whole case that edge rusher in the first two rounds or even just the first round is a quote unquote bad idea. I think it's a very, very smart idea. And, and everything shows you find those good edge rushers, those elite edge rushers early on, not later. Yeah. And I think, like you're saying, like this is a double tandem thing, like this helps 2023. And then also, like, if you do, if you are able to draft an edge rusher at 21, you know, then they're able to become the guy, you know, after next year, yeah. after you're potentially moving on from Mack or Joey Bosa or potentially both of them. And, you know, if you're taking somebody in the fourth round, then next year, 
in 2024, you have to take an edge rusher in the first round. You know, like you, mm -hmm. like it just yeah. it creates more problems if you don't address edge rusher this year. Um, to your point about Timu Risk article, this is from 2020. It was is incredible stuff. You know, Timu Risk going through the likelihoods of of somebody becoming a a stud at their position or a quality starter at their position, uh, which PFF defines as 65th percentile or higher um, at every single position going through the whole round. So in terms of the pass rusher, the chances of you getting a starter in the first round are right around 60%, second round, 42%, third round, 30%, fourth round, 24%. And, you know, this, this is, like I said, I think this is the second most important position in NFL football today with the way everything is going. So, you know, the chances of you getting a starter in the first round are significantly higher than if you wait until the third round or the fourth round. So, um, I think that's that's just the way to go. So, uh, big shout out to Gavino Borquez in the chat today, uh, dropping his uh, top ten pass rushers there. Very curious to see how ours line up with his. But uh, you know, he did point this out earlier uh, before we kind of got started about Brandon Staley's kind of uh, mm -hmm. patterns, if you will. That you know, he typically really covets that length and that explosiveness. Uh, high vertical is one of the things that he uh is in particular is pointing out so mm -hmm. um definitely something to uh keep in mind come uh draft time yeah i thank you for reminding me Gavino, and i think whoever else reminded me in our discord because i forgot but there's definitely that that threshold if you've got less than 33 inch arms probably not taking you until day <laughs> three yeah if at all <laughs> right i think he would you know prefer taking kind of a project swing on somebody with longer arms than sure uh, you know a higher floor somebody who doesn't have that that, that type of like that he's looking for mm -hmm. we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Uh, excited to see how this one works out. We're going to dive into our top eight, really, I guess, top nine, like I keep saying, uh, edge rushers. We'll have an honorable mention here. Um, and uh, Tyler, so I started off with the, I'm going to get rid of that banner, actually. Because it's tight ends. 
also that <laughs> my bad um but yeah so i started off with the uh just missed last time so why don't you kick us off there okay let me get to the sheet okay so just missed for me um so of some of the players that i even like Kavino mentioned or you're, some people are looking for i didn't grade felix anudike uzoma sorry hmm. um i didn't grade nick hampton and i didn't grade Derek hall so and the other 30 people that are in the draft but you know <laughs> of those top guys i didn't get to grading those guys i got to 10 so if i don't have those guys because i know it always happens every chat goes where's this guy i just didn't i didn't grade him sorry um so my just missed right now is zach harrison from mm -hmm. ohio state i liked what i saw from zach harrison and i think he's a good player to pair with coach ed the password specialist this offseason um, definitely more your, your four three guys. Of, he, he, he's not playing for the Chargers. He's rushing from a three or four point stance. Um, awesome first step. I think there are several instances where, you know, on strip sacks particularly, where he shows plenty of bend. It actually almost surprises me because I feel like he's a one kind of rusher the most of the game. And then suddenly there's a strip sack, and I've seen like two or three of his strip sacks go for touchdowns. Um, I don't know why, just pure variance. But he's had six. <laughs> He's had six forced fumbles the last two seasons, which is, you know, something the Chargers would like to look for. I don't think that he's the kind of player that they would draft to play um, unless they have some sort of new change to how they're doing things. Um, plenty of pop in his hands, but I think that's kind of where the things stop um, because tackles that could match that strength or anchor down a bit more, they would be able to absorb that pop. I mean, sometimes it would work. I forget which game it was. He popped someone, they're falling over, plenty of strength. But the guys that could match or the guys that were able to anchor down were able to, for lack of a better word, hold him no problem or, or knock him down. So he's got to learn ways to disengage or, or set something else up more than just that outside speed to power. I mean, again, sometimes there was a bend for that strip sack. It was just very few and far between. So not that what he does you know, can't work, and he has those strip sacks off the edge, but he's got to learn to work the hands and the wrist and develop those counters. So... Um, you know, again, a lot, a lot of upstairs pop, you know, can shock, can work, but I don't think there was enough brought to it. And the guys that, you know, the linemen that were great at anchoring down and, and doing more and, and doing something after the initial contact were able to handle him pretty considerably. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his, you know, if the Chargers do necessarily want to wait again, I don't think he fits really what they want um, from a physical profile standpoint. But, you know, if they kind of are in desperation mode in the third round. And I, I think he's somebody that would make a lot of sense for me. Um, he's my second lowest graded right now for me. Um, I have graded, uh, I've done 12 edge rushers, including Derek Hall. So Derek Hall is my uh, lowest grade right now for Auburn, but he has a, he has a third round grade for me. So, you know, these are quality mm -hmm. players. This Same. isn't like, you know, we're getting to these players and we just like, don't like them at all. Like I think Zach Harrison is a quality prospect. Um, I just couldn't get there for like top nine. So, um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, th I, from a physical profile standpoint, I was like, okay, maybe this is somebody that you can see from like an inside outside flex. I want to see him against mm -hmm. some guards, maybe, you know, kind of kick inside on, on obvious passing downs, but, um, for how big he is, he wasn't super powerful against guards. And so I think that was kind of something that I, I ended up knocking him for. So good player, third round player, I think for me. And, uh, again, mm -hmm. I think he's more of a four, three big end kind of player like if gus bradley yeah you know we're still yep. around for the chargers i think he'll be perfect mm -hmm. so um i agree i like the player just not for the chargers 
Um, all right, so mine uh, is going to be somebody that you did not grade. It's Felix uh, Anudike Uzama. And, you know, something that we kind of talked about last time was uh, like the discount versions of of <laughs> players, right? And yeah. I think for me, like Felix Anudike Uzama is kind of the discount version of Miles Murphy. I think he has a lot of the same okay. similar traits in terms of, you know, explosiveness off of the jump in terms of his length, in terms of his power. Um, and just like his sheer effort, man, was, was so impressive to me. And, nice. you know, there's a, a rep that I watched against Oklahoma state where he gets chipped from the running back still is able to just, you know, bend around the corner and then go sack the quarterback. And it was just like all effort. And it was, it mm. was kind of a longer developing play from Oklahoma state, but, um, you know, a lot of his production is just like sheer effort. And, um, in that same game against Oklahoma state, he, uh, they did a jet motion towards his side. And he kind of took that jet motion guy as, as the outside rusher for Kansas State. And then Oklahoma State did misdirection screen to the other side. And Felix Enrique Uzama sprinted all the way across to the other side and ended up chasing down the running back that got the screen and covered so much ground in a hurry on that particular play. So hmm. the effort, the length, um, it's outstanding for me, for him. It's just he's a little inconsistent with his pass rush. A lot of these guys do not have, you know, yeah. super developed pass rush arsenals but um i think somebody in the second round that would be a really good fit for the chargers he does have that length and explosiveness that i think brandon staley is looking for um so i think he is somebody that chargers fans should be uh familiarizing themselves with because to me he's and he's one of the younger guys in this class like some of these guys that we're going to be talking about are fifth year <laughs> seniors yeah. he's a true junior like he's okay. he just barely turned 21 so mm. he's got a lot of room to grow and you know i think that is something that kind of stands out uh amongst this class okay yeah i'll have to check him out just missed him <laughs> yeah all right so i i teased him earlier the most difficult prospect for me that i've watched and graded is lucas manness i have no idea what to make of him <laughs> um you know you look at his pass rush productivity on a stat sheet and it looks really good it does, it does. i think he's you know his composite ranking that we have compiled it, it, it's 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 in good standing from a pass rush productivity standpoint. But when you really start to dive into his film, the majority of his pass rush productivity is him as a looper, him as a stuntman, free rushers at some mm -hmm. points. Like I, I charted three games for him and I think I counted maybe like three actual like one-on-one -on -one wins. And, you know, this is a guy who has never been a starter for Iowa. He's only taken 980 career snaps. Like there's, <laughs> he is so green, man. Yeah. Like he, I just, I did, I don't know what to do with him. So ultimately, what I decided to do with him was I gave him a slightly lesser grade than I grade than I gave Trayvon Walker last year. Okay, I didn't necessarily love. Yeah. I gave Trayvon Walker like a six, like a, a six point five five. I think I gave Lucas Vanessa six five, even barely made the uh, second round, barely huh? making a second round grade for <laughs> me, and he's number eight on my list. So again, just such a puzzling case for me I, I couldn't necessarily like crack like what does he do well outside yeah. of just be like bigger and stronger than guys mm -hmm. um so i think there's a lot of traits there you know he's working with coach ed as well so i know that he's gonna yes. be putting in work um but right now like i think he is a year away from being a year away and mm -hmm. that scares me from talking about like a potential first round pick so i think his traits are good enough to merit a top 10 selection in terms of the position Mm -hmm. But if I were picking like numbers, like if I were the Seattle Seahawks, for example, and I'm looking at this edge rusher class, like there's no way I'm taking Lucas Van Ness at that spot. 
like some of these other you know draft analysts are kind of projecting like i'm going in much in different directions so mm-hmm. I, I i like the traits the production lack of thereof really scares me and the, the tape scares yeah. me but i think the traits are are fantastic yeah this is the one i think this is the first guy that i watched at the edge group and i messaged basically everyone i could think of like <laughs> what did i miss because yeah I, because i think daniel jeremiah had him going like sixth or seventh or maybe it was dan brugler had him going like top dane loves to him Falcons. dane loves lucas van ness and he's and he's been on lucas van ness since like october yeah and and listen i mean when he, if he likes him and daniel jeremiah says this is a name that you should keep an eye on because he's his, his stock is going to rise people talk about him more you know during this pre-draft process you have to take note um, and then him working with coach ed obviously is, is big for him i think we're going to see a better player than we did in college but we also didn't see a whole lot of that player right. and i'm watching the the film going did he change numbers I'm, you know <laughs> i'm watching the first 10 snaps of an iowa game going wait wait what number is he again and i realized <laughs> that he didn't start yeah and i mean this is ben fennel's review of him i don't know if van ness has actually has any pass rush moves he just goes and often right down the middle of the offensive line and yeah it often works once he develops in pass rush plan hand usage, stutter setups to work half man and get on the edges of offensive line. He's going to be very hard to stop. Okay, but like read that for a player that's supposed to go That's like 10. you're like three steps removed from <laughs> Yes. Like I don't know if he has any pass rush moves, but if he just figures out a pass rush plan, how to use his hands, how to do yeah. stutters, how to do setups, how to work half man and how to work the edge, he's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, I mean me too. If I worked on those <laughs> things, I'd be very hard to stop too. But like no one's taking me seventh overall. Um, I, I just, I, I was so confused watching this, and I, I don't want to feel like make it seem like I'm shitting on this player. Second round grade. There's a lot of things that he does well. He's yeah. very powerful. If you want like the guy who's going to plow over other guys, there's actually several guys in this draft that can do that. Very strong player. Very powerful player. You do see where he could go. But boy, you better have the right coaching staff. You better be able to develop this defensive lineman because. I just, I just, I worry. And, you know, the thing that bugged me the most is he, not that stats matter, but the film matched the stats, was 314th in run stop rate in college football last season among like the 20%, you know, threshold cutoff. 314th. I just like, what am I supposed to do with that? And he's getting getting top 10 buzz. And I feel so bad for feeling like I'm, I'm saying bad things about him. He's going to be better. He's working with a great pass rush coach. Yeah. He's got so much potential. He's so strong. But he's got such a long way to go. And I can't think of another prospect who's been this much. This guy has this far to go, but he's going to go top 10. Yeah. And guys love him. And if he were end of the first round and guys are like, I love this player, but he's going 20 to 32 because of his raw talent. Sure. I totally get it. But this to me is like far not Walker went first overall. But this is far more puzzling to me than Trevon Walker, in my honest opinion. Yeah, because Walker, you you saw him do like truly freakish things from an athletic standpoint on tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was covering tight ends uh, in certain games. Like he I, I'm pretty sure he like matched a coverage against Kyle Pitts back in 2020. And then he's also just a bull in a china shop as a run defender. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about you know the hype around Trayvon Walker but I really liked the player I would have been comfortable taking him you know the back end of the first round and 
you know, if you're a team, you know, like the Falcons, for example, you know, they've been linked to a pass rusher. They don't have any other pass rushers that like their best pass rusher right now is probably Arnold and who they took last year, mm-hmm. who had like 28 pressures. Like if you're the Falcons and you're drafting Lucas Van Ness as your edge one right away, that mm-hmm. terrifies me. Mm-hmm. If you're the Chargers at 21 and he's there, I understand that because you have Joey and you have Khalil, you, you, you have no pressure to get immediate production from Lucas Van Ness, but mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I scratched my head. I didn't know what to do with him. And, you know, I ended up putting him in my top eight because I think the traits are outstanding. Yes. Um, and there is a lot to like there and, and he's doing the right things in terms of training with coach Ed, but mm-hmm. I, I struggle with this one. So kind of moving on here, I'll finish my, my section here. I have Keon white uh, mm-hmm. at number seven. That's Georgia tech. I'm just going to put Jotek. And then uh, number six is somebody I'm really, really high on, and that is Will McDonald from Iowa State. Mm. Man, I'm trying to look at mine, this thing, StreamYard, my notes. Um, okay. I don't want to – should I put my guys and then we'll talk about it? Or Yeah, go ahead. You put okay. yours and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, so number eight I have – Wait, that's not right. <laughs> oh, that's right, because I changed it on this other thing. Okay, <laughs> number eight, I have Keon White. Nice. Um, but GT at there number seven, I have Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, and at number six, I do have Will McDonald as well. Hey, this is just like the tight ends again. <laughs> oh God, do we have the same list? This sucks. This sucks. <laughs> Wait, so, oh my gosh! All right, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you and I like we, we find ways to get pretty similar until we get to like running backs and wide receivers. But yeah, we'll be we'll be very different on receivers and running backs. And if we did quarterbacks, we'd probably be very different there too. But in terms mm-hmm. of trench players and like uh, by extension tight ends, I feel like we see things very similarly. Uh, what did you yeah, like? Because I, with... I have the same experience as you do in the trenches. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which sure. is so funny to me. Uh, but let's talk about Will McDonald because I do think that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to talk about length and explosiveness. I do think he fits exactly what the Chargers are looking for. Mm-hmm. What did you like uh, about Will McDonald? Yeah, so I started watching. I try to watch, if I can, one or two 2021 games just to get like an idea of where they started. And watching 2021, this guy had no, at least the game that I watched, he didn't have a prayer against the run. And you see some potential with his frame, with his rush. It's like, okay, like, you know, hopefully this guy can figure it out in 2022. Turn on that first game of 2022 stacking and shedding far better than he did the previous year mm-hmm. granted i only watched one game just more stout more sturdy and, and i love that if, if you can just show me that this player is has either learned or has grown has developed whatever like that's awesome heading into you know the next year where he could be you know let's say with the chargers for example um and, and continuing to grow from there i love seeing a player i don't think he's by any means hit his peak so just seeing an ascending player in a specific weakness um, is really really awesome, and apparently he you know dominated the Senior Bowl. He's got that ideal length that well, not ideal. He's got more than ideal length at 35 inch arms or 35 inch wingspan or whatever. No, 35 inch arms, 80 something inch wingspan. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that he's able to do so many things that he just maybe didn't get the chance to show as much. I'm surprised they reduced him inside as much as he did, as much as they had him do. I don't yeah. know. If that's just something they do at Iowa State. Um. Very different player. This is a D tackle, but like Ioma Uwazirike was all over the defensive line. And I think just, you know, being able to show that you can do those different things is fantastic. But when he can just be 
that traditional you know edge rusher and, and be an edge rusher not Rudy's inside is great but when he can just show off his bend and show off that length I think he's fantastic um he's even got a spin move sometimes sometimes yeah. to a detriment I've seen him try to do a spin move <laughs> and, the, and the offensive tackle is just like like I don't know what this is yeah um there are moments where I think he I hate to call them Chris Rumpf red flags, but when I Oof. see the player just consistently get like knocked over, I'm like, that reminds me of Chris Rumpf um, <laughs> in the in college, I should say. Um, yeah. But again, he he improved a ton in 2022. He's got enough of a rip and bend there. Um, he's improved quite a bit against the run. He's got that length. You can just see where he ends up being an edge. Okay, okay, edge one seems rich, but like you could see where that ends up happening as a guy who can go in the first round develop, 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 keep those traits going and end up being an edge one. But I think right away you have a guy that's going to be a nice solid edge too if he continues his ascension between you know where he left college and then the first game of the season. Yeah, I'm glad you highlighted just kind of his journey at Iowa State. He actually started his career at Iowa State as an off-ball linebacker. Uh, that's what he was doing in 2020 was playing off the ball, dropping into coverage and things like that. Because Ohio, because Iowa State runs the worst fucking defense in the in football <laughs> history. I hate the three three five Big Twelve bullshit. It drives me so insane, and I had to watch so much of it already in this class because Kansas State runs that same shit. Too. <laughs> um, you know, so you're talking about a player who's like played off ball linebacker, who's like kicking inside at times. You know, he never truly had like that's like, you know, like rushing with a five man front or frankly a four man front all that much. Um, mm-hmm. So the spacing was never just ideal from him. So when you're when you're a three three five defensive end, you have to get so creative with your pass rush, and I think that's something that you know again probably doesn't help the production, but it helps his you know projection for the NFL because he is one of the few guys who has some counter. So I think like you know I watched twenty twenty one too, and you see a lot of long arm stab, a lot of you know uh, speed to power. But then you look mm-hmm. at this year and he's got an inside outside rush to go back inside. He's got, you know, the spin move. He's got a cross mm-hmm. chop a, a couple of times. So he's one of the more refined pass rushers at this point. And then you combine the the length, the, the explosiveness. And I think he would check a lot of boxes for what the charters uh, and Brandon Staley have historically looked for mm-hmm. the school. I'm not super sure about because Brandon Staley has really prioritized like <laughs> big 10 sec school players. Right. Um, and you know, if you're like stacking this up with the guys who I have just ahead of Will McDonald, mm-hmm. you know, the two SEC rushers versus him at yeah. Iowa State, but then also Will McDonald stood out the senior bowl, like you said, and that's something that Tom Telesco has really put a ton of value in. So I think he fits a lot of what the Chargers would want for an edge rusher. I think for me, he probably has kind of like an Uchenna Umosu kind of ceiling as a really solid number two rusher for you yeah. down the line. Um, 21 feels a little rich for me. But I would understand mm-hmm. what the vision is if you if you draft him at twenty one. Ideally, if you're if you're aiming for Will McDonald, I think you probably would want to trade down a few spots, mm-hmm. take him, you know, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, and, and I think you would feel better about that situation. But I I really like the player. Um, I think there's a ton of great things there in store for him once he's able to get into you know an NFL training system and, and NFL spacing and be able to have yeah. like not have to worry about, hey, is this guard just going to come clock me at any moment <laughs> and actually have like true one-on-one opportunities? Because something I wrote down is like anytime that he did have a true one-on-one matchup, I felt like mm-hmm. he won it. Like I, I charted a lot of wins for him. And yeah. I think that stands out in this class because there's a lot of, you know, projection in terms of, uh, you know, like pass rush arsenal. But Will McDonald can get it done. He can come in as a situational pass rusher as a rookie and and truly make an impact in this class. And I think that is something that kind of, sets him apart 
Yeah, I would agree. And just looking at these guys that we have written down and who we're going to have on our lists, I assume we're pretty similar there, or at least the same one through five in some order. Yeah. I think Will McDonald is closer to five and four than he is like seven and eight on the. I agree. I agree. We have it. We have it broken up just because that's how we're breaking down the the edge rushers. But I think he's definitely more in that like five to four range than seven to eight. Yeah, I, I think for me, he's closer to number five than number seven for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Tyler, you uh, you go next here. Let's do, get your five through three, uh, and then we'll discuss that as well. Okay. So, uh, number five, I have. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, have okay, to keep yeah. going back and forth on my in my grades and the live sheet too. Okay. 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 At number five, I have BJ Ojolari. Ojolari. Okay. From LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, I have Nolan Smith. From, gosh, Tyler. From Georgia. And at number three, uh, I guess my first, uh, my guy of the draft, Miley. No, Miles. Don't play like Miley. Miles Murphy <laughs> from Clemson. Okay. Um, gosh, where do I start with this group? Because there's so many guys I want to talk about. I, I guess I, I, I know Miles Murphy's my guy but I do want to talk about Nolan Smith just because I do think, yeah, despite the exchange that I had on, on Twitter with his position as uh, rush specialist who thinks he's going in the top 10, I don't think Nolan Smith is, is going to go in the top 10. Um, but he's, he's number four ahead of Ojolari, I think as more of a projection than where he is right now, but that is kind of the point of the process because you know, you're trying to project to where they, you know, could be. And I think he's over Ojolari, even though I think Ojolari maybe is slightly better right now. Um, if you're talking about right now, like what he can do really well, um, I think he's one of the most well-coached run defenders um, mm-hmm. from one of the most well-coached run defenses. I mean, the defense, you look at Georgia and everyone's coached phenomenally and, and no exception with him as well. Um, you know, of the, of the guys on this list, he was first in run stop rate and first in average depth of tackle of the top 15 that I just had ranked. His average depth of tackle is 0.3 yards from the line of scrimmage, which is always that's good to pretty see. Pretty good. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. And I think his discipline, both on, you know, something like an option play where he's able to shuffle and close, outstanding. Um, apparently, he's going to test through the roof. And I just think he shows that in general with his range on like the backside chase downs. I think Ojolari and Smith are both two of those guys that are just. Guys who are phenomenal at those backside chase downs. And, and that's something that I do like to see for guys that kind of goes into like both motor and just like a general character thing for me. You know, if the play is not going towards you, do you watch it just go the other direction or do you go try to make a play? And I think 5 4 and, and Murphy as well, um, all these guys, I guess, like they do, they do have that against pulling tight ends, against pulling, you know, guards. I think he's got tons of power to halt their momentum and not get washed out. So I think against the run, very solid. As a pass rusher, I think most of it comes down to that motor and effort um, and trying to work the wrists and the hands. And he can also just move, you know, rush from different points. Um, a lot of cleanup work um, where he loses me as like a you know, potential, again, like a, a top 10 draft pick guy. I don't, I don't buy that. Um, it's, it's both the bend and the counters because I think there's just a lot left to be desired. I'm mm-hmm. saying this as someone who's like a number four guy on my list. But again, it's, it's the projection. Um, you know, if he were to have that bend and have those counters, he would move into that A grade first round grade for me. Um, but to me, he falls closer to someone like an Arnold Ebiketti in grade, um, who I loved. But that's a guy you take like 20 to 30, early 30s, you know. Um, 
and it does have to matter, I think, that he did miss the remainder of the season with a pectoral injury. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's fine. Like, he seems to be okay. Um, but I just have him high because I think of all things of you know, how well he was coached against the run. And it really just comes down to his work with Coach Ed, which I think, like, you know, for those who don't know, we keep saying that name. He worked with everyone from, you know, Aiden Hutchinson to Otito Ogbonia last year. Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay. And, of course, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, these guys. So if the thing that you're missing, if you're already really good against the run and you're a very freak athlete, if the thing you're missing is a stronger array of pass rush moves and you're working with Coach Ed this offseason, I think you're just going to walk into the NFL a lot better than we saw you last. Um, so it's a bit of a projection, but I, I think he's I think he's really their strongest. If I had to bet on who the Chargers would take at edge rusher at 21, I would think because of where he would go and the fit and everything, that it would be Nolan Smith. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you you're highlighting him cuz I do think I agree with that statement. I mean, we are talking about University of Georgia pass rusher who's really freaking good and Brandon Staley loves him some Georgia football. Um so I I really love Nolan Smith, man. Like I think he he was one of the first players that I watched. I think he's one of the my the, one of the my guys for sure for me. Nice. Um Nate Tice uses this term a lot on defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers uh banshees you know these guys who play with like their (laughs) hair their Mm -hmm. hair on fire and just come at you every single play that's nolan smith for me like if you one of my one of my like favorite nfl watches even though he plays for the chiefs is nick bolton like nick bolton just comes at you every Mm -hmm. single play and if you want the pass rusher version of nick bolton that's nolan smith for me like he is gonna make sure that every rep that he takes is gonna be like if you're trying to block me you're going to have to work your ass off every single play to block me. And you watch his tape against, for me, like the Oregon game is really good. I think mm-hmm. it was Mississippi State for me that really was like, oh my gosh, this guy's just incredible at just like all of the effort stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his size is a little concerning. I think he's only listed at like 235 pounds or something like that. So, you know, you're not going to want to like have him straight up holding the edge. You know, you're not going to kick him inside. Like he is a mm-hmm. strict, like, strict outside linebacker type three, four defense who is going to get after the passer, who's going to get after the running backs and, and make a strong impact right away from just an energy and a culture standpoint. So, um, you know, I flirted with the idea of like giving him a first round grade, but the lack of size I think does kind of merit it being a high second round grade, but I I love Nolan Smith, man. Like the pass rush arsenal is basically non-existent at this point, uh, (laughs) which is really the difference between him and Ojolari, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there's a ton to like about Nolan Smith. And I think you, you bring him into this situation with the Chargers specifically, learn from Cleo Mack, learn from Joey Bosa, Mm -hmm. keep working with coach Ed, and you can really have this, this ball of clay essentially coming in and you know making a strong impact as a run defender making a strong impact as as a situational pass rusher and he's never going to get double teamed with the chargers like that's something that it, it would work in the favor of a lot of these guys but sure um i think you want more banshees in the front seven i think nolan smith is your guy yeah i would agree i actually have ojalari as a higher graded player but i think nolan smith just where i'm hoping he ends up with the help that he's getting this offseason. Not that Ojolari won't improve himself, but I just have Nolan Smith a bit higher just because I think that it's where I think he'll end up. But I do have Ojolari graded, graded higher, just not ranked higher. Oh, wow, look at that. So just flip uh, five and four for, for us, but Ojolari is another one that I think you know would really fit for what the Chargers are looking for. I think he's not as 
banshee type but you know he mm-hmm. certainly does a lot of the same kind of things but uh to me ojalari is is the most refined pass rusher in this class not named tyree wilson um i wow, think bj okay. ojalari has a ghost move which as a true junior is insane to me like he's he's out here trying von miller go-to move <laughs> stuff and yeah and that's just not what you see typically in college football so he can cross chop he can do all the advanced uh, pass rush stuff. He's able to spin, move. He's able to inside, outside rush. Um, similar to Smith, he's not as big as I would like. I think he does have to add some mass, mm-hmm. um, particularly against the run. You know, Smith is is an elite gap shooter. Yeah. Ojolari's not that. Like Ojolari's not going to be as strong of a run defender, but he'll do all of the effort stuff, like like you mentioned. But for me, it's just like the pass rush arsenal for him is is already there. Yeah, and I think you could, you know, definitely see him having an Uchenna and Wosu rookie kind of season. The, the highlights, of course, where he's able to give you, you know, twenty five pressures right away. Like I think him with the Chargers will be a fantastic situation, and I think you know he is exactly what the Chargers need at this point. Like they need somebody to come in and handle their business as a secondary pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a big fan of his. Not as much as Nolan Smith. Like I think Nolan Smith, just like from a sheer effort standpoint is is able to separate himself but ojalari as a pass rush specialist would be really nice to see as well yeah it's not pick your poison but i do think ojalari is the better pass rusher right now both in terms of bend and what he can yeah. do um so no question about that there again it's it's more against the run for me but i just don't think that's something you need to rely on him right now if you're the chargers not that we're ranking them again they're not ranking them based on their fit with the chargers but just considering if the Chargers took him at 21 or traded back and took him, like you do not have to rely on him to be that guy right now. And the way I always approach it is if you have one very effective, unique pass rush move that you're really good at and you can do it significantly and effectively and frequently, that means you can learn more. Like if you can yeah. do, and especially if you do that, right? If you can do the ghost, then you're good. So if you can do that, then you can keep improving from there. And even if you don't think, the rest of it is as strong, and I do think he does have more than that. But if you can do something like that, you can keep improving and keep ascending. So I think that in terms of pass rush, and I haven't graded it as such, like he does have a higher starting point and arguably a higher ceiling than someone like Nolan Smith. Yeah, outside of the top two, like he's the only rusher with like a really well-defined pass rush plan at this point in his career. Um, and I think that'll earn some points. I think he's somebody that is being a little slept on like I, I consistently see him you know going to mock drafts in like the late 40s early 50s and and from a Chargers perspective like I would love that you know if if they were able to get him in the second round that'd be fantastic but to me mm-hmm. I think he's a he's absolutely a first round player and I'm a big fan of him and just like you know you don't see college pass rushers doing ghost moves like I said like he's he's got some rare arsenal stuff for for somebody who's who's not that well defined and I think like you know, the LSU number 18 thing is kind of overrated at this point, but I think it does show a lot of who mm-hmm. he is like off the field and, and in that locker room that, that he was able to get that as a pass rusher. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody that that's a good culture setter for sure. And, and same thing with Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith was the captain, you know, reportedly was like essentially a position coach when he was injured with the pectoral injury for Georgia down the stretch. So either of those guys, I think are, are absolutely somebody that would be in play for the chargers. Um, all right, let's talk about. I don't necessarily want to talk a ton about Tyree Wilson and 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 Will Anderson, and I think we can. Are they two and one? Yeah, they're two and one. Tyree's number two for me, and and Will Same. Anderson's number one. I think that it's an interesting thing that Daniel Jeremiah brought up of like maybe yeah. Tyree Wilson before, and we can talk about that. 
but me and you messaged the other night about Miles Murphy and um <laughs> it is it is a work in progress for sure in some aspects but the he's another banshee man like he plays with his hair on fire all the time and i think like he's just able to just like will his way to production mm-hmm. in ways that not many other pass rushers in this class can do so miles murphy i think i would understand why you know you would be so high on him and, and call him a my guy yeah it's so interesting because if i am trying to explain based on something quantifiable what it is I really can't because he's not like a developed pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the stats, it's not like he's up there with someone like Terry Wilson or Will Anderson. And like, I don't care because <laughs> I don't know how to explain it because it's weird. He's not even the kind of player that I would like during the pre-draft process. Normally I love more of my Ebiketis and Nick Benitos and, and guys that like are bendy and more twitchy. Same. That's, not, that's not really miles Murphy. Same for the most part but it's just the vibe man I don't, I don't, musgrave <laughs> was a vibe guy and he was tight end three miles murphy is just a vibe it's the motor it's the burst it's the pop um it's just the nfl freight train strength like and you do like you can see him if he didn't have this i wouldn't put him in the top three but he can win outside with that dip and rip the, the bend isn't like great yeah. but he can do that and you can definitely reduce him inside and he holds up too he just needs to become a more complete pass rusher, obviously. And that's that's most of these guys. I feel like last class was not as great against the run, but most of them had more of a pass rush plan, at least in that like top seven or eight range or so. This class, I think, has more to work on as a pass rusher, but I think that he can do a bit more day one because of the work against the run. And I don't know, man, watching Miles Murphy, again, the numbers don't even back this up, which is so against what I would do. <laughs> but just watching him and like, if I want, if unless it's Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, but like of all these guys, if you had to tell me one person you'd love to coach, I, I can't coach him, but if I could, <laughs> but if I could, like it would be him. Like imagine him as any athlete in some sport that you've coached that you like, like just the vibe of watching him and what he's able to do and all the traits and the things that he can do. You, if it's, it's all, you know, don't focus on the, what he can't do, focus on what he can do. And uh, this is now, you could say that's the same thing for Lucas Van Ness, but the difference for me is I see more wins as a rusher. I see more bend on the outside. I see yeah. so much more against the run than someone like a Lucas Van Ness. So, you know, he's a day one run defender at several spots in the line. I think the combination of what he can do is exceptional. You just got to get him to do it consistently and better. Yeah, I think you look at some of these other guys, you know, Keon White, Lucas Van Ness, like they show flashes of power. Miles Murphy is powerful, like like full stop every single yeah. play. Like he's gonna anchor down and he and he's gonna make you work for it. Like you're not gonna move yes. him off the ball with the one on one blocking coverage. And like there were so many times where I watched him just like destroy tight ends. Like mm-hmm. you know, you watch his game against Clemson this past year. You know they they kept on trying to throw like the double tight end double team at him, and it was just it was not working, man. Like he's just throwing dudes aside, and so mm-hmm. I think. He's probably gone well before the Chargers, right? But like, you want to talk about like having a balance and like getting Mm. him behind Cleo Mack to work with, like, you know, if Chris Rumpf ever hits, like, you have the speed and the the bend over there. And then Miles Murphy, you get the power rusher. I think like that's kind of what Brandon Staley has typically wanted. But um, Miles Murphy is another guy. Like, when he's able to kick inside, he's actually excelling and beating guards. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. something that a lot of these other guys can, can, uh, can do. So, 
you know, one of the things, this is very different, right? But one of the things that I loved about Jamari Sawyer is that like he, he could do a one arm stab against somebody yeah. and completely knock you off the ball. Miles Murphy has that same kind of ability. So he'll turn, uh, he'll do a one arm, long arm stab. And that offensive tackle is going to go like lose his leverage instantly. It happened all the time when I was watching him. So I, I, I'm with you. I typically don't like love the power rushers, but cause it, it's just, it's so much harder for them to like get going in the NFL as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody who's like really bendy and twitchy. But yeah. Miles Murphy is is that guy right now. And, you know, Thomas yeah. Martinez, like every single snap, he's just going hard. Yeah. And I'm not comparing him to to Max Crosby, but like his some of his production, like just remind me. I don't me, hate that. I understand what you mean. Some of his early, some of Max Crosby's like early rookie season production is just Max Crosby just like just working his ass off to split a double team and like go chase a quarterback down that's miles murphy like that's exactly what he does half the time and and he's just going to keep going non-stop every single play and you know the power the effort i think it, it's a lot of stuff to like for him mm-hmm. obviously you would love to have more production he was he was definitely more more productive as as a sophomore but he's another guy like he's he he just barely turned 21 you know tyree wilson mm-hmm. is going to turn 23 in may i think you know, mm-hmm. Nolan Smith is an older player. Will McDonald's older. Keon White's older. Miles Murphy is is just barely going to turn 21. Like, he has so much room to grow. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much to like there. If he fell to the Chargers at 21, I would be so happy. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. I, I don't see it happening. He's definitely not the first two off the board. I guess if Lucas Van Ness does have the legitimate buzz, which it sounds like he does, um, if if we're expecting not number one overall, but the same kind of ascension that Travon Walker had, and then let's say someone would prefer a more, you know, stand up twitchy kind of guy like Smith or Ojolari, I don't think he gets to twenty one. But if Telesco decided to do what I've said he shouldn't do and trade up for <laughs> Miles Murphy, I'd you know, hey, I'd what get am it. I supposed to do um, <laughs> at least it's a pass rusher. It's not a linebacker yeah. or a running back. You oh, go get. <laughs> this um, is a prime position. Yes. Oh, just just for some fun things. The Broncos uh, spent today interviewing Matt Patricia for defensive coordinator. <laughs> so, dude, the Sean Payton stuff makes no sense to me. Nobody else wanted to hire him, and he's interviewing Rex Ryan and Matt Patricia as his defensive coordinators. I don't understand. I, I need it. I, I need. I need it to be Rex Ryan. But story <laughs> for another time. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, big Miles Murphy fans on this show. Um, I agree with you. I think the interesting thing in terms of the pass rushers is like, this is perceived as such a deep class and it is, I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Felix and Uzama has as a second round grade for me and he's, he's number nine. Like that's just not typically the case when you get to pass rushers because the, yeah. the drop off is so steep usually. Um, so it is going to be interesting. Like there's, there's always these dynamics, right. Of like, well, you know, there are two deep positions on defense. Cornerback, I think is another class that's really deep edge rusher is really deep so like where what position gets the run first and mm-hmm. how does that affect things because like there's a lot of love for um devon witherspoon the corner from illinois and, and christian mm-hmm. gonzalez from oregon and, and keely ringo from georgia so like how does that balance itself out this year and maybe one of these guys do drop to the chargers maybe miles murphy is there so um gonna be interesting that way mm-hmm. um didn't really get to talk about tyree wilson or will anderson two fantastic players 
Tyree Wilson to me is like if Greg Rousseau were like elite right away, <laughs> like just <laughs> length and burst off of the ball. Like he shouldn't do the things that he yeah. does, but um, you know, he just closes the gaps in, in the fastest amount of time that I can recall. So um, two elite rushers for me, I think, you know, I, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. I think of the last three classes, cause 2020 had chase young. Like I think he was, you know, he was yeah. kind of a unicorn for me. But of like the last three classes, I think you could really argue that Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson are the two best edge rusher prospects. Yeah, and I definitely would have to look back at where I had Hutchinson. I didn't do the the draft rankings with Chase Young. Who the heck was the edge rusher in twenty twenty one? Who was in that class? Uh, let me look. I had this up the other day. Oh, Micah Parsons. Yeah, I didn't got in great in. <laughs> um i have to recall i have to go back and look i'm looking I right now probably had hutchinson over tyree oh, wilson will Anderson. That, i don't know that was jalen phillips aziz ojalari uh, for me those are the two there was, no. that was my one and two yeah no I, I think that some of those guys had better traits maybe but i don't know i wouldn't have had jalen phillips or aziz over um at least these two guys not over hutchinson probably not over thibodeau um, but I'd have to look. Plus, things change. Like the difference between what I looked at two, three years ago versus now is, I mean, I, I have a grading category that's just run defense. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I just changed it to like I don't know, run defense. Um, so yeah, I don't like. I, I don't mind it. Will Anderson, I, I turned on. I watched more than one game, but I turned on one game and I went, "Do I have to just watch any more?" I, <laughs> I watched him like against double teams, like bend around double teams. I'm like in the run game. I'm like, what the hell is this? Uh, just a yeah yeah phenomenal players for sure yeah I, I generally like hate player comparisons but he's gotten a lot of like kill mac comparisons and and after watching kill mac for the past two years like <laughs> i get it like i think that makes a lot of sense from a from a player comparison standpoint mm-hmm. um the debate of him versus wilson is interesting to me I, I with all things considered relatively equal i would still lean the younger guy like will anderson is is going to be 21 and like i said tyree wilson mm-hmm. to be 23 it took tyree five years to have like his true breakout season mm-hmm. whereas will anderson probably should have won the heisman in 2021 <laughs> yeah um so i think from a production and talent standpoint we've known about will anderson longer yeah. um i understand why someone would take tyree first like this isn't this isn't an Aiden Hutchinson versus Trayvon Walker thing for me, or frankly, even like Kayvon Thibodeau versus Trayvon Walker. Yeah. Like I do think the gap between these two players is, is pretty small. Yeah. Both of a first round grade for me. No surprise there. Um, I only have two first round grades in this class, but Murphy probably bumps up by the time things are said and done. Yeah. Murphy has a first round grade for me. Yeah. He's, he's right at a seven for me. Okay. So yeah, very fun class. I really hope the Chargers are able to uh, you know take advantage of it. Um, oh, really, God. really need them to do that this year. Um, would be cool with, with like I said, Ojolari Smith, McDonald in the first round. I would I would totally understand that. Mm-hmm. I would probably you know put money on Nolan Smith being that guy if there is one. But uh, gotta address the pass rush situation at some point in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. All right, Tyler. Any uh, final thoughts today before we head out? I hope they take an edge rusher just so my efforts the last three seasons have <laughs> finally, like they finally pay off. Yeah. Uh, just, it makes too much sense to get a guy into this room, learning from Khalil, learning from Joey Bosa and uh, just be able to be that long-term answer. So 
mm-hmm. um, makes a ton of sense. So uh, thank you everybody for tuning in live today. Appreciate you guys in the chat. Um, if you are watching this, as always, make sure to like the video, subscribe, comment, let us know who uh, your top 10 pass rushers are, top eight, nine, however you want to format it for us. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, make sure to leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate all of that. It does sincerely help us continue to grow the show. So appreciate you guys. We'll see you uh, next time. Uh, we're going to have Arjun on this uh, upcoming weekend, and we're going to do kind of a, an early look at free agency. He's been doing some videos for us. He's been doing some tweets about contract breakdowns. So we'll get him on the show and see how really, really realistic it is to keep some of these upcoming uh, free agents. So a bit of a change of pace. We're going from draft stuff to back to free agency this weekend with Arjun and excited to uh, dive into that with him. So uh, yeah, we'll see you guys then.